Fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 12 May Yahweh cut away every smooth lip, every boastful tongue, those who say, In our tongue lies our strength, our lips are our allies. Who can master us? For the poor who are plundered, the needy will groan. Now I will act, says Yahweh. I will grant salvation to those who sigh for it. Yahweh's promises are promises unalloyed. Natural silver which comes from the earth seven times refined. You, Yahweh, will watch over them. You will protect them from that brute forever. The wicked will scatter in every direction, as the height of depravity among the children of Adam. Reading the Word First reading Isaiah chapter 58 Is not this the sort of fast that pleases me? To break unjust fetters, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break all yokes. Is it not sharing your food with the hungry and sheltering the homeless poor? If you see someone lacking clothes, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own kin. Then your light will blaze out, like the dawn, and your wound be quickly healed over. Saving justice will go ahead of you, and Yahweh's glory come behind you. Then you will cry for help, and Yahweh will answer. You will call, and he will say, I am here. If you do away with the yoke, the clenched fist, and malicious words, if you deprive yourself for the hunger and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, your light will rise in the darkness, and your darkest hour will be like the noon. Second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Now when I come to you, brothers, I did not come with any brilliance of oratory or wise arguments to announce to you the mystery of God. I was resolved that the only knowledge I could have while I was with you was knowledge of Jesus and of him as the crucified Christ. I came among you in weakness, in fear and great trembling, and what I spoke and proclaimed was not meant to convince by philosophical argument, but to demonstrate the convincing power of the Spirit, so that your faith should depend not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Gospel Matthew chapter 5 You are the salt for the earth. But if salt loses its taste, what can make it salty again? It is good for nothing and can only be thrown out to be trampled under people's feet. You are light for the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Matthew 
No one lights a lamp to put it under a tub. They put it on the lampstand where it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine in people's sight, so that, seeing your good works, they may give praise to your Father in heaven. Hearing the Word Salting the Earth Last Sunday, we reflected on the tension that often arises between God's ways of acting and the behavior which is expected of believers and the values and attitudes of the larger society. This Sunday continues with the focus on discipleship, emphasizing that God's ways must be manifested in and through his disciples. The oracle of Isaiah we read has to be understood in relation to the context in which it stands, particularly Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1 to 7. This passage contains a series of questions raised by the Israelites who were asking why their religious practices were ineffective. They fasted, prayed, and offered sacrifices, yet their prayers remained unanswered, and prosperity and blessing evaded them. Isaiah provides the answer in this passage. Their prayers and sacrifices were not answered because they were not accompanied by genuine concern with one another. Isaiah lists a number of very ordinary and concrete gestures of social concern for one another. Feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, and clothing the naked. Thus the prophet links concern for the needy with the practice of faith. Such connection is necessary because it facilitates God's involvement in the world, making it possible for the Lord to answer prayers. Effective faith manifests itself in betterment of the lives of others, particularly those in need. The prophet insists that piety for its own sake misses the mark because it does not infuse the world with God's presence. In his continuing conversation with the Corinthians, Paul addresses the question of his approach to the proclamation of the gospel. In the ancient world, one of the most important and prized skills was the art of speaking persuasively. Greek speakers prided themselves on the ability to prove any point they wished with skillful rhetoric. We know of speaking competition held in those days. When a speaker had to prove a particular point in one speech, and to negate the very same point in his second speech. Paul refers to this art as using words of wisdom. It is likely that some adversaries accused him of manipulating the Corinthians through rhetoric in order to welcome him and accept his message. Paul strongly denies such charges. He points to his meek, the mourner, when he stood among them. He spoke without appeal to persuasive words and rhetorical conventions 
Rather, he delivered the gospel through a demonstration of spirit and power. The truthfulness of his message was proven not through persuasive words, but through showing the gospel he preached at work in his own person. His faith had transformed him, and the effect of that change could be seen in his life. He does not provide details at this point, but we know what he meant from his second letter to Corinthians. God's spirit and power led him to devote his life completely to the cause of preaching the gospel and developing the faith of others. This is best seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where the apostles describe how he continuously put his very life on the line in order to carry the gospel to the world. He stopped at nothing in order that the gospel might be preached and accepted. His faith was effective through absolute devotion to the task of bringing others to Jesus Christ. The gospel passage continues with emphasis on the necessity for visible manifestation of faith. Matthew employs two metaphors, salt and light, to emphasize that Christian discipleship must affect the world. Salt exists for one purpose, to alter the taste of food. It is meant to effect change in something else. If it does not accomplish this task, if it loses its saltiness and does not accomplish the change, it is no longer sold. This applies to discipleship. If it does not affect the surrounding world through changing it in some way, it is no longer discipleship. The metaphor of light serves a similar purpose. The symbol of light in the scripture usually relates to revelation and faith. The city on a hilltop is clearly visible, particularly at night. Because of its position and shining lights, it dispels darkness and provides orientation. Likewise, the very purpose of the lamp is to illuminate and be seen. Lighting the lamp or covering the light removes the very reason for its existence. Using these images, Matthew emphasizes that the very reason for discipleship is its visibility. It is meant to provide orientation for others with the purpose of leading them to faith. In the Christian community of Matthew's day, this was often a matter of life and death. Demonstrating faith in Jesus publicly could bring about persecution and even death. However, even in spite of those real dangers, Matthew insists that the faith of a disciple can be called faith only when it affects the larger society and the world. The liturgy of the word brings forth the necessity of the visible manifestation of one's faith and discipleship. Isaiah insisted that 
true religiosity is not a matter of piety. Prayers, offerings, and sacrifices, if not accompanied by manifest concern for another human being, I neither heard nor accepted. Paul insisted that effective apostleship does not rely on rhetorical skills and ability for persuasion. Authentic apostleship is defined by wholehearted devotion of one's mind and body to the task at hand. Matthew teaches that discipleship must serve two practical purposes. First, discipleship means being salt of the earth, changing the world around us in a way that can be observed. Second, it means being light of the world, serving as an example of faith in order to guide others towards God. Thus, discipleship is primarily a matter of salting the earth, embodying God's ways in the world so that the world may be changed. Such felt influence makes faith relevant, but can also bring opposition and even persecution, as it was the case with the community of Meth. Yet the assurance of God's protection remains, as is expressed by the psalmist, You, O Lord, protect us always. Listening to the Word of God The theme of this Sunday names us Jesus' disciples, salt of the earth and light of the world. Jesus used metaphors of salt and light to define our way of being his disciples and living life according to his teaching. Life is indispensable for life itself while salt makes our food taste better. Salted food acquires taste. It becomes distinct and special. We will focus our reflection on salt and explore four of its qualities that reflect how we can make life more distinctive and special. To begin with, salt is white in color. In the scriptures, whiteness symbolizes holiness and purity. The Gospel of Matthew states, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. As the salt of the earth, we ought to be pure of heart. However, how can we be pure of heart in a world with so many temptations daily placed before us? Is purity possible when we so frequently fall into sin? Yes, purity is possible by daily examination of conscious and celebrating the sacrament of confession regularly. These practices educate us to make the right choices and wash away our sins so that we remain pure. The second property of salt is flavor. Salt gives flavor and zest to food. We use salt in almost every meal. Like salt, are called to give flavor to the world. Life in the world ceases to have meaning if we do things merely following daily routines. We can spice up and give taste to the world in two ways. First, Isaiah states that God is not interested 
in a lip service piety shown only in prayers, fasting, and fulfilling religious duties. These are important but must be linked with attention and care for the needy and vulnerable among us. The second way is sharing words of encouragement with those who have lost zeal for living because they no longer see any sense and value in what they are doing. Life will be experienced differently by those we touch in such ways. Salt has healing properties. When we cut ourselves or have a wound in the mouth, the sting of salt on the wound helps it to heal faster. As Christians, we are to sting the world with rebuke, criticism, and correction when things are not done in a just and charitable way. Hatred, jealousy, oppression, and exploitation hurt our communities and families. We are called to be healers, but healing sometimes involves an initial sting required to begin the healing process. Finally, salt is also used to preserve food from rot or decay. As Christians, we are expected to preserve our world and society from getting rotten through corruption, moral decay, tribalism, racism, and self-centeredness. Salting the earth implies that Christians should function as a moral antibiotic. We administer it by presenting examples of high moral standards and a lifestyle defined by Christ's teaching. The world is rotten when no one has courage to distinguish right from wrong and declare it openly and courageously. We are called to bring moral clarity and safeguard moral values and the dignified human lifestyle. Jesus warned us not to lose our saltiness. We can easily lose it if we do not remain in God's presence through listening to his words. When salt loses its saltiness, it becomes useless and even corrosive. It cannot be used even as manure. This is an encouragement and warning to us. Our task is that of salting the earth. If we do that, then Isaiah's prophecy will come true in us. Then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom shall become like midday. Soul does not praise itself. Action. Self-examination. Am I like salt and light to my friends, family, and community? Response to God. Today I resolve and promise to God that throughout this week, I will do things in such a way as to give taste, flavor, and meaning to the life of those I meet. Response to your world Identify someone in your surroundings 
that needs you as salt and light. Decide what you are going to do and how to make his or her life tastier. As a group, discuss and identify vulnerable person or persons in your group or community whom you can offer a genuine material help. For example, food, money, clothes, or even cleaning the house as expression of your genuine faith and commitment to God. Prayer Lord, bring your light to every part of our lives. May it shine through every relationship, every activity, and every word we speak. Lord, make us the salt of the earth. May our life bring light and hope, joy and peace to those who need it most. We ask all these through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.